You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, episode 31. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I want to talk about foundational habits for weight loss, the things that you absolutely must do if you want to lose weight and keep it off for good. You know, we tend to overcomplicate weight loss, I think, and It's confusing, to be honest, right? There's just so much conflicting advice out there. It's hard to know where to turn. And it's so tempting to just go out there onto the internet or talking to friends to find some program that's going to tell you exactly what to eat, when to eat it, and in what amounts. But unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. And, you know, I get it because I want the same thing as well. In fact, just before I discovered life coaching, I bought a weight loss program written by a fellow physician, an obstetrician, in fact, and she combined a specific macro ratio with anti-inflammatory foods, and she presented a really good scientific basis for all of her recommendations, and I was hooked. You give this gal a specific plan to follow and the science to back it up, and I'm all over it. But here's what actually happened. I downloaded an app called Carb Manager to record all of my food and make sure my macro ratios were correct. Now, this was definitely a low-carb style diet, and if I remember correctly, I think about 60% of my macros were supposed to come from fat. And I stuck to this diet for about six months, and here's the thing. I didn't lose any weight, I felt like crap, and I was just generally miserable the whole time. And there were really a few reasons for this. One is that I'm a recovering perfectionist, and having to meet a specific macro ratio every day brought out all of my perfectionistic tendencies. And I would literally panic and stress out if I didn't get the macro ratios quite right. And this actually caused me a great deal of anxiety. I am used to getting straight A's. I've always been the straight A student, and it really bothered me when I just couldn't get it right. And so I ended up spending a lot of time obsessing over my food choices and constantly checking in with the carb manager app, tweaking my meals and, you know, making changes last minute. And it wasn't fun for me at all. And as is the case for many of us perfectionists, when I didn't meet those specific ratios, I'd throw my hands up in the air and just give up. Because if I couldn't do it perfectly, then I wasn't going to do it at all. That's what I told myself. And so I'd go ahead and eat like a crazy person for a few days and then decide to get back on track and I would go at it again. I don't even know how many times I went through that cycle. My energy levels were also exceptionally low the whole six months I was on this diet. Now, I initially attributed this to carb withdrawal, but after a few months, things just started getting worse rather than better for me. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but my body actually needs carbs. Now, I'm not talking about processed crappy carbs, but the good carbs, fruits and veggies, whole grains. And now I know that when I have more of those in my diet, I feel energetic and healthy. But I didn't know that about myself then. 
And so when I cut those things out of my diet, I wasn't doing me or my body any favors. And so the point here really is that every body is different and the particular macro ratio in this program just wasn't right for my own body. And now this is bound to happen to many people when they buy into any prescriptive weight loss plan. It's going to work for some people, but it's not going to work for everyone. And a final reason why I think this diet just didn't work for me was that it didn't help me address the reasons why I was emotionally eating. On this particular diet, I would still eat my feelings, but over time, I figured out how I could eat my favorite foods and still stay inside my macro ratio. And so the types of food I turned to to numb out from my emotions changed a little bit, but the emotional eating itself didn't. And so I was still eating much more food than what my body actually needed for fuel. And as a result, I didn't lose any weight. Now, it was shortly after this experiment with macros that I discovered life coaching. And after that, my views on dieting and the diet industry in general and weight loss, of course, just did a complete 180. I learned the importance of ditching the diet rules and really making my own decisions about how and what I was going to eat. Now, when it comes to the basics of weight loss, we tend to overcomplicate things. Our brains want rules to follow. It's just the nature of the mind. But I think the first rule of weight loss should really be no more rules. And so to that end, I'm going to share with you today the foundational habits required for weight loss. These are not rules. These are simply behaviors to focus on each day. Now, if you do these habits on a consistent basis, you will lose weight. And although these habits are fairly simple, they're not always easy. They take practice and patience. And that's why coaching can be such a beneficial adjunct to weight loss. Now, what I'm going to share with you today are the exact five pillars that I teach to my clients inside my coaching programs. You're going to get it all here. There's nothing magical here, but there's also nothing surprising. Now, your brain is going to want complicated and your brain is going to want some magic formula. And so it's probably going to freak out a little bit when it hears how simple this all is. But stick with me. Because what you're not going to hear is eat less and move more. That is just a bunch of crap, if you ask me. Because if it were that easy, we would not have the global pandemic of of obesity that we have now. Our bodies and our minds and our hormonal systems make it so much more complicated than that. And although what actually happens in your body when it comes to weight loss and metabolism is incredibly complex— The habits that we need to to engage in to affect weight loss and to change our metabolism in a positive way are actually very simple. And so here they are, your five basic habits for weight loss. They are drink water, get sleep, eat slowly, eat according to your hunger signals, and do 24-hour plans every day. So let's dive into each of these just a little bit deeper. First, drink water. Now, this one's a no-brainer. Water is actually a required ingredient for all of the metabolic processes in your body, including the ones needed to burn fat. So if you're even just a little bit dehydrated, your body is going to save its water stores for more important functions, such as keeping your heart beating. But beyond that simple physiological need for water, here are some other reasons why water is so important. First, hunger is often mistaken for thirst, especially if you're not in the habit of drinking water regularly. 
And so the more water that you drink on a regular basis, the easier it becomes to really understand what true physical hunger actually feels like. And water can actually help with hunger too. In fact, it's a natural appetite suppressant. Studies show that people who drink water before a meal actually consume about 20% less food during that meal. And this is because water fills the stomach rather quickly. And when the stomach extends, the brain gets the signal that you're full. And there's also oodles of studies out there showing the benefits to replacing high-calorie beverages such as sodas and fruit juices with water. Um, Incredible benefits to weight loss and health in general. And in fact, this has even been shown to be true when people substitute water for diet sodas as well. So if you're struggling to get your water in, consider substituting one or more of your daily sugary drinks with water instead. Now, the question, of course, is how much water should you drink? Well, I mean, you often hear like get a solid eight cups or, you know, whatever it is, or drink 50% of your body weight. But what the National Academy of Medicine in the U.S. actually recommends is that adult women drink 2.7 liters of water daily, which is actually about 90 ounces, which is a fair amount of water. It's a lot of water. And so in my programs, I recommend women just start with 64 ounces or those eight glasses. Now, to be clear, this isn't about measuring every sip you take. These numbers are really just to give you an idea of where you should be aiming and to let you know that it's probably a little bit more than what you think. Now, I often hear water, drinking water is hard. I hear that all the time. And you know what I'm telling you? There are so many things in life that are harder than drinking water. You definitely can get water in during the day. So here's the tip that I use um, to help me get water in during my day. First is I actually keep a a water bottle on my bedside table and I drink it first thing when I get up in the morning before I do anything else. It's just how I start my day. Um, I also carry water bottles with me wherever I go, so I'm never without it. And I, when I'm doing a shift in the ER, I take three water bottles with me to work. Um, Each one holds, I want to know, I want to say maybe 700 milliliters or so. And I make sure that I drink all of them over the course of a shift. And then I refill one of them and I make sure I drink that one on the drive home. I also am really a stickler for drinking a glass of water before each meal. It's just a habit. It happens on automatic for me now. And, you know, sometimes when I'm craving a sugary drink, um, what I will do is put frozen cranberries and a lemon slice in my water. For whatever reason, this just makes it taste so fresh and good. And I really love it. And if I'm really craving soda in particular, then I will drink um, fizzy water and put the cranberries and lemon in that. And that just is really effective for me. All right. So that's number one, water. Second up is sleep. Now, this is a habit a lot of women really struggle with, but getting enough good quality sleep is essential for weight loss. Sleep and weight are actually intertwined in ways that science is only really just starting to understand fully. And a lot of this comes down to our hormone system. So there are two hormones in particular that are very important in appetite, and that's ghrelin and leptin. Now, a lack of sleep actually contributes to dysregulation of these hormones. And in fact, lack of sleep results in increased ghrelin and decreased leptin, which translates into experiencing ravenous hunger after a crappy night's sleep. 
And we also know that sleep deprivation affects your food preferences as well. When we're tired, we tend to choose foods that are higher in calories and that also contain more processed carbs. I mean, we all know this to be true from experience. When we're tired, we make bad food choices, but the science actually shows that this is indeed true across the board. And so not only do we tend to feel hungrier and make poor food choices when we're sleep deprived, but getting enough sleep also interferes with our metabolism. So it's like this triple whammy that dooms us to weight gain, or at least really interferes with our ability to lose weight. So we feel hungry, we make poor food choices, and our metabolism takes a hit. It is not a recipe for weight loss for sure. And so how much sleep is enough? Well, 98% of us need on average seven to nine hours of sleep every night. Now, if you've been short on sleep for years, you might feel like you can function just fine on less than that, but in fact, only 2% of the population actually thrives on less than seven hours. So chances are good if you're not getting at least seven hours a night, you aren't getting enough and it's affecting your weight loss. Now, changing sleep habits are hard, so I suggest you start easy. Trying to Try going to bed just 15 minutes earlier than you're used to, and that's it. And if 15 minutes is hard, then try 10 minutes or even just five. Just a small amount will add up over time if we, if we can compound that over time. And so when you're ready, add another five minutes or another 10 minutes so that you're going to bed earlier and earlier over time. And another hint for you, of course, is to just practice sleep hygiene, which includes keeping your bedroom cool and dark for sleep and using your bed only for sleep and sex. So that means no watching TV in bed, no studying in bed. And I also like to practice a digital sunset, meaning I turn off all my electronics an hour before I go to bed. This is hard to do for a lot of us, but it is just so beneficial for getting a little bit more sleep in. All right, so that is water and sleep. Third on the list is perhaps the most important of the five foundational habits, and that is eating slowly. Now, there are just so many reasons why this is important. There is actually a direct relationship between how fast you eat and how much you eat. The reason for this is that it can take about 20 minutes for your stomach to get the message to your brain that you're full. So if you're eating too fast, you tend to eat so much more than you need before your brain can actually get that message. And another reason is that when you're eating quickly, your primitive brain thinks that there is danger, that your food supply is being threatened in some way. Your body goes into sympathetic dominance, meaning that you're in a bit of a stress response. Your stress hormones, including cortisol and epinephrine, rise up, and these hormones effectively shut down your metabolism, which is the opposite of what we want when we're trying to lose weight. So when you slow down and take a nice few deep breaths when you eat, you shift yourself into parasympathetic dominance, which is really your relaxation response. And when you're in your relaxation response, you metabolize your food much better and actually use the nutrients rather than just store it all as fat, which is what happens when you're in the stress response. Now, another benefit of slowing down is that you actually get to enjoy your food more. Your brain is actually wired to enjoy food. There has to be some element of enjoyment for your brain to send out the signals that you're satisfied and that you've had enough. 
So when you scarf your food down and you don't really taste it, your brain is going to tell you to eat more until it feels satisfied. And this can result in you eating way more than what your body actually needs and then storing all of that extra food as fat. Another benefit of slowing down is that sometimes you realize that foods you thought you loved, particularly junk food, you actually don't enjoy when you slow down and really pay attention to the experience of eating it. So lots of magic happens, both physically and psychologically, when you just slow down and enjoy your meals. Now, this is another habit that's so much easier said than done because so many of us have been eating fast and furiously for years. And slowing down is hard, especially if you're eating in the company of other fast eaters, which is often the case in our families. But here are a few quick tips that you can use to help yourself slow down. Drinking water or taking a nice deep breath between each bite is an excellent strategy because not only does it give you more water, which is our habit number one, um, but it also shifts us into that parasympathetic relaxation response, which is just so important for our digestion and metabolism. Likewise, you can also just put your fork down between each bite or even try eating with your non-dominant hand. Both of those will slow you down somewhat. And then you'll also want to turn off distractions. So put the phone away, turn off the TV, pay attention to your family, have conversation, and just slow down and enjoy the experience of eating your meal. If you do happen to have a slow eater at the table, then try to match your pace to them and see if you can use that strategy to just extend the time of your eating. The goal here is to make your meals last at least 20 minutes. And again, the reason for that 20 minutes is because that's the time it takes for your stomach to send the message up to your brain that you're full. All right, so after you've mastered the slowing down habit, then the fourth fundamental habit to focus on is honoring your hunger signals. Eating slowly is a prerequisite to this, right? You have to be able to pause and check in while you're eating in order to know when you've had enough. So in our programs at Ways of Health, we use a tool called the hunger scale, where one is overly full, like I'm talking post-turkey dinner, undoing your zipper, too uncomfortable to walk sort of full. And 10 is so freaking hungry that you would eat your own arm if you could. So the guideline here is to eat when you're at about a seven or eight on the hunger scale, and then to stop eating when you're at a two or three. Now, it takes some time and practice to figure out what a seven to eight and what a two to three feel like on the hunger scale, especially if, you're, if you have a hard time noticing when, you're, when you get full, which is often the case for a lot of us. So a good way to explore what two or three is, is to eat half of your plate, then stop, take a breath, check in, and notice how you feel. If you think you still need more food, then go ahead and eat half of what's left on your plate and then check in again. And then just keep going until you just feel satisfied. So a two or three on the hunger scale is feeling nicely comfortable. So not feeling bloated or feeling like you have to change into your fat pants. Like you could easily get up and go for a walk after eating when you're at a two or a three. And one of the most common signs that you're there is that big sigh. So if you ever find yourself kind of, you know, leaning back in your chair and just letting out this big sigh, that's a great sign that you're at a two or a three. 
Incidentally, that this is this is your brain's way of telling you that you're done. You're bringing in more oxygen, which is needed for all of that digestion and metabolism. So pay attention to yourself when you notice that you're just taking a nice instinctual big breath during your meal. And another sign is if you start picking at your food, like, you know, when you're just like selecting out the good bits from your meal, that's another sign that you're probably at a two or a three. And then a common sign for me personally is that I start losing interest in my food. It's like I get distracted and I start thinking about other things or I start thinking about my to-do list or kind of whatever is next on my agenda for the day. I know when that happens, it's time for me to stop eating. All right. And so a good way to explore your seven or eight is to really just let yourself feel hungry for a little bit. Physical hunger tends to wax and wane. It comes and goes in waves. And so if you allow yourself to be hungry for an hour or so, a few times, you know, just to experiment with it, you'll notice what physical sensations you get when you're truly physically hungry. These might include things like rumbling in the stomach, maybe having a bit of a headache, or, you know, I often feel like a bit antsy or agitated when I'm at a seven or eight. And I also find that I start to really focus on food and I stop concentrating on the task at hand. And that is a sign for me that I'm getting towards a seven or eight on the hunger scale as well. And then related to this, it's also important to really learn how to distinguish true physical hunger from emotional hunger. So with emotional hunger, it doesn't ebb and flow like physical hunger does. It persists. It just sits there. And it's often focused on one food type. So if you aren't willing to eat a bowl of broccoli, then it's probably not physical hunger. It's more emotional hunger or a craving. All right, so that is the fourth habit, eat according to your hunger scale. And then the fifth and final basic weight loss habit is doing 24-hour plans every day. And this is really the tool that is going to help you take back some control in your relationship with food and also really start to learn when you're emotionally eating or why you choose to eat when you aren't really physically hungry. And the premise of the 24-hour plan is this. Every morning, you plan what you're going to eat for the rest of the day. Now, the key here is that it is a completely realistic and doable plan. You have to be nearly 100% ready, willing, and able to eat what you write down. So this isn't a wish list, and it's not what you think you should be eating either. Now, there are a few reasons why this tool is so important and so effective in weight loss. First, you're really making decisions ahead of time about what you're going to eat. So most of us that struggle with weight will say that we eat really well at mealtimes, but it's all the mindless snacking in between that gets us into trouble. So with your 24-hour plan, you're deciding ahead of time what you're going to eat, and then you eat only that. So if you're tempted by donuts in the break room at work, for example, and you didn't plan for a donut, then you simply say, no, thank you. Now, to be clear, no foods are off limits here. So if you want to plan for a donut tomorrow, by all means, go ahead. The point here is to say no when you're in the heat of the moment so that you're not always giving in to the immediate gratification. And this is why it's also so important that your plan be realistic. So if you typically have three glasses of wine in the evening, for example, then you put your three glasses of wine on your plan. And this is because the second reason why the 24-hour plan is so beneficial is that it teaches you how to be the kind of woman who does what she says she is going to do. 
you build up some self-trust and confidence so that later on, once you're consistently doing your 24-hour plans, we can start to make small changes. And it'll be so much easier for you once you've developed this nice, strong, confident base for yourself. And this really relates to the third benefit of the 24-hour plans in that it gives you data. Food journaling is important in weight loss because you can't make changes if you don't know where you're starting from, right? So with our 24-hour plans, we aren't measuring and we aren't getting too specific. So for example, I might write down a bagel and cream cheese with a smoothie for breakfast, a salad with tuna for lunch, cheese and crackers for a snack, and chicken and veggie stir fry with rice for dinner. And that's all the detail you need. No amounts, no calories, no serving sizes, no macros, just general idea of what you're eating. And then at the end of the day, you'd look back on your plan. And if you ate something that you didn't initially plan for, jot it down. So after you've done these 24-hour plans for a couple of weeks, you'll have some great objective data about what you're eating. And also, very importantly, when you tend to eat off plan and what types of foods you tend to eat when you do eat off plan. So related to that, another important piece of the 24-hour plan is journaling when you eat off plan. So when this happens, you want to ask yourself why. Ask yourself what you were feeling or what was happening around you or what justifications or excuses you were telling yourself when you ate off plan. Some common examples might be things like, well, I was super stressed and I thought I deserved a chocolate bar after such a hard day at work. Or perhaps you might hear yourself say that you don't want to hurt someone's feelings by saying no to whatever they're offering you. Or perhaps you ate because you were tired and it helped you stay awake. Just note whatever it is for you every time you eat off plan. So once you start to do this a few times, you'll notice patterns of when you tend to eat emotionally. And then the next steps are developing different plans to manage those particular situations in a different way that don't involve food. And so once you're comfortable with doing these 24-hour plans and you're doing them fairly consistently, then you can start asking yourself how you can make your plans just a little bit better to promote your weight loss. So maybe that means just two glasses of wine instead of three in the evenings. Or maybe that means getting a side salad instead of fries with your burger on your Wednesday lunch with the girls. Or maybe that means getting a thin crust pizza instead of regular crust on Friday night pizza night, right? Just one small step to make it better. And we keep adding these small steps every time you feel that you're ready, willing, and able to follow through with them. And this is how we make progress, by making these one small changes one step at a time. So I talk a lot more about the details of the 24-hour plan back in episode five. So if you're wanting to know more, just pop on over there and have a listen. Okay, so there you have it, your five foundational habits for weight loss. Drink water, get sleep, eat slowly, follow the hunger scale, and do your 24-hour plans every day. If you practice these habits and make them a regular part of your day, you will see results. I can nearly guarantee it. And so if you want to learn more about these five foundational habits, as well as the next steps beyond the foundations, or if you'd even just like support as you implement these strategies in your life right now, feel free to join us over in the Nourish Yourself Body and Mind program. You can find out all the details for this over at www.nourishyourselfbodyandmind.com. 
And if you choose to experiment with any of these five foundational habits or have any questions at all about them, please reach out to me at michelle at waysahealth.com or on Facebook and Instagram at waysahealth as well. I would love to hear from you. So that's what I have for you this week. Next week, we're actually going to talk about the stress piece of weight loss and how we can manage it just a little bit differently to help us achieve our goals. Until then, have a great week.